Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and today I'm going to be speaking with Paul Rudder, who I met through the Florida National Speakers Association. Paul is the author of a book, and I wanted to bring him onto the show so that he could share with you the experiences he went through as he got to the point of deciding that he would write a book and his journey through that process. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you, Pat. Tell our listener about the book that you wrote. What caused you to decide that you wanted to write a book? Well, my book is called Repeat Business Incorporated, The Business of Staying in Business. And I come from the travel and hospitality industries. And this is a tips book. Um, I come from the cruise industry where we actually live with our customers and we live with our coworkers on board the ships. And so I thought it would be great for land-based businesses to know what we go through and some of the things that we do on board that can relate to the land-based businesses that they do. I can think of the cruises that I've been on that have encouraged me to sign up for the next cruise before that ship comes to the dock to unload us. Is that part of those strategies of getting repeat business? That is a very big part of it. Uh, we have one goal on board our ships, and that is to create such an exceptional experience that exceeds expectations that you will book your next cruise before the current cruise is over. And so my thinking is, what if land-based businesses operated in that same way? If they knew that their customers would come back uh, over and over again, would they treat them any differently? And so uh, that was our goal, was to make sure that we had such a great experience that it was an emotional buy. And we know that if we get somebody to sign up for their next vacation while they're with us the first time, 98% of those people return for their next vacation. We don't have to worry about the competition. And so it's all about repeat business. It's getting the customers that you already know that know your business to come back to over and over again. Did you write this book for the cruise industries or did you have a broader audience in mind? Well, no, a much broader audience in mind. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm a professional speaker as well with the National Speakers Association and Florida Speakers Association. And so I know that having a book is very important to be taking seriously as a speaker. And so I wanted to get a book to show my expertise uh, in the hospitality industry uh, and what, what the hospitality industry and especially cruise lines can teach land-based businesses because it's such a unique dynamic. We live with our guests all the time. And what if land-based businesses had to live with their guests? How would they treat them any differently? So, um, it's a very interesting dynamic, and if you add to that the fact that we also live with our coworkers, uh, and not only do we live with our coworkers, we sometimes have to room with our coworkers because sometimes it's two to a cabin uh, that the crew members live in, and so 
it's it's a very interesting dynamic uh, where you live with your customers and you live with your coworkers. And what if land-based businesses had to do that? And that's, so that's sort of the background for the book. You know, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about comparable industries. There's the Airbnbs where the owner lives with the guests and hotels, but in hotels, you get to go home at the end of the day. You don't have to stay in the building. Exactly. Uh, there are prisons, <laughs> but, but those, the, those, uh, those people get to leave at the end of the day too. Yes. Yes. How did Pat end up comparing cruise passengers with convicted criminals? That was a stretch. Boy. <laughs> Let's hope this doesn't get out too far. They, you know, no. we've been compared to a lot of industries, but never the prison industry. No, sure. no. <laughs> but but you are right. And one of the things that I learned when I I built a business working with trial attorneys was that I spent a lot of years and a huge amount of money trying to bring in new clients all the time, all the time. And one day I had an epiphany and I said, what if I took that money that I was spending on ads and put it into a customer appreciation program for my top clients? I was horrified about how much money I was spending per year. And it took a long time to convince the woman who was the sales rep who kept calling me over and over again. Oh, Pat, we got the special place in our book, you can have the whole back cover and you haven't bought for a while and just come on, place another order. But it, I can directly attribute that shift to at least a quarter of a million dollars extra per year that came in from those top customers. And I, th I, th I think if small businesses paid attention to that message the way that I did, it would have a huge impact on the way that salespeople react, um, the way that business owners react to their customers. You know, that's such a powerful concept. Well, it's interesting because more and more business comes down to customer service. Somebody is always going to be cheaper or less expensive, whether you go online or another business opens up down the street. So, it's impossible to compete on price alone because somebody will always undercut you. Mm. And so what's so much more important now is the service that you deliver with your product. And that's what people are talking about now. That's when you, you see people going online to all of these different uh, websites where they either praise your service or they complain about your service. Uh, and they have such an audience and they can do this anonymously and so customer service really is the new marketing. It's, it's, um, uh, it's what people look for. And with these new websites, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the website Nextdoor. It's a bunch of communities. Um, uh, your neighbors are all on there. And so that's who you get your references from. That's who you get your recommendations from, or from your neighbors and your family and your friends. And so they can give you a good recommendation that's much better than anonymous people on Yelp or Amazon or TripAdvisor, people you don't know whether they're right to uh, uh, refuse, whether they're correct, whether they're honest, but you know that your family and your friends are not going to lie to you. If they have a good experience or a bad experience, they're going to let you know about it. So customer service really is, and it's really customer experience as well as customer service. 
What's the difference between the two? Well, customer experience is when you start and think about doing business with a customer. So uh, let's take cruises, for instance. If I want to find out about a cruise, how easy is it to navigate your website? Um, can I find what I'm looking for without too much trouble? Uh, if I want to make a call to reservations, how easy is it to book a reservation? Uh, if I send somebody an email, how quickly does it take for somebody to answer that email? Same thing with a phone call. If I leave a message, how quickly are you going to return that phone call? So the experiences when all it starts when you think about doing uh, business with a company and it ends when you think again about doing business with that same company it's from the very beginning to the very end customer service is just one part of the customer experience i see what you're saying yeah and i think you're right yeah it's very big customer experience it's everything that goes into um your memories of dealing with that company It seems that as a business world, we're paying a lot more attention to this. We're getting surveys. You know, we go to the drugstore to pick up a prescription and CVS is sending me a survey. How was my experience? You know, to me, it was a transactional experience. It wasn't something like a cruise where you're part of an ecosystem for several days. Can you overdo that solicitation of opinions from customers about the customer experience? Um, yes, you, if you're in somebody's face over and over again, yes, you can certainly overdo it. But if you, if you notice now, most of the surveys only start with one or two questions and it's uh, one of the main questions uh, and it comes down to what's known as NPS or net promoter score. The main question a company will ask you, how willing are you to recommend our service or our product to your family and your friends and your neighbors? And it's maybe from one to 10 or one to five, whatever their rating system is. But that's now the very key question. Will you recommend our service to your family and friends? And so that's really what they're looking for. And so um, instead of asking, they, they of course ask how was your experience? But the main question they want to know is, okay, with the experience you've had with us, will you recommend us to your family and friends and your neighbors? And if not, what could we do so that you would recommend our service to your family and, and friends and neighbors? And so uh, net promoter score is, is very big in many industries. And it's really just one simple question. Will you recommend us to your family and friends? Mm, that's a powerful question. It is, and, and so much goes into the answer. Going back to your book, <clears throat> you mentioned that you realized it was important for you as a speaker to have a book. How did you use that book to, or how are you using it to be able to get speaking gigs? Well, anytime anybody is interested in possibly bringing me in, or either a training or a consulting or a, a keynote, the first thing I'll do is to send them a book. And from what we've learned from NSA and FSA is that a book 
of a book is sort of your calling card and your business card to your expertise. It shows that you know what you're talking about enough so that you've written a book. And so it's sort of a, a, a business card, uh, a calling card to be able to send to anybody who's interested in, in dealing with you. It, it speaks so much more volumes than um, whatever else you can try to persuade somebody to, to, to book you. So it's a very important part of the of the equation is to be able to say, hey, I've written a book and this is what you can get by hiring me. Do any of the people who you've approached with a book ask you, did you self-publish that book or did you publish that book with a traditional publisher? Um, it's not the first question on top of their minds, but I have gotten in that discussion with many people. Once once I they know I've written a book, it's, oh, I've been thinking of writing a book as well. How have you done it? And then we get into it. And, and I'm self-published, uh, available on Amazon, started with Create Space, which was uh, uh, through Amazon, now uh, part of the Kindle Direct Publishing. So um, this is self-published. And for this book, uh, we felt that was the better way to go working on the second book now and haven't really decided exactly how that's going to be published. What is the second book about? Uh, it's, it's also a business book, but it's more of my experiences, the crazy things that happen on a ship and what we do as a business to deal with it. So to give you an example, uh, we do lots of weddings on board our ships. Weddings are very big. And we have a number of people who plan their weddings in one of the Caribbean islands, let's say, to give you an example. So they would book a wedding to take place on the island. They have family and friends. Sometimes they're sailing on the ship, uh, their parents and family, or sometimes they actually fly to the island and meet the wedding party on the island. Uh, and then they have a big wedding reception there, and it's great. Unfortunately, some of our, our guests felt it was necessary to book their wedding on a Caribbean island during hurricane season. Mm. So, of course, what happens, of course, there's a storm approaching. The ship will not go anywhere near an island when a hurricane comes. They're going to run. We play chicken because we know how powerful hurricanes can be. So, unfortunately, there are family and friends waiting on that island, they now cannot get off the island because the island's closed down, the airport is no. So they have to ride out the hurricane there while those of us on the ship, we may go to the Eastern Caribbean if it was supposed to go to the Western Caribbean. Uh, and we have brilliant, bright sunshine. Unfortunately, the couple that was supposed to get married, their papers are only good on that island. So they end the cruise without getting married. But, but us, oh, as a business, what it. we try to do is we go into overdrive, and we actually, the way the story ended, it was a happy ending, we were actually able to get a justice of the peace to come on. When the ship came back to Miami, and when the ship, when the cruise was over, justice of the peace came on board the ship before anybody got off, and actually married the couple on that last day before they got off the ship. So we were able to uh, come up with a happy ending. But these are some of the, the crazy things that happen on a, a ship that we, we have to deal with. The last cruise that I was in, there was a family from Japan who did not change their watches when they left Japan. 
and they got on the cruise and we stopped in Puerto Rico and they misunderstood the local time. So they literally missed the boat. And then they flew to the next island to catch up with the ship, but we couldn't dock at the next island because the water was too rough. So it skipped the island completely, but their plane landed on the island. So they're on the island waiting for the ship that doesn't dock. And then they ended up flying to Miami. They had an American Express credit card. They were trying to buy clothes. They had a baby with them. They didn't have enough food. They were laughing about it when they finally caught up with us. And I ended up interviewing the father of this because he was an expert in a particular type of neuromarketing. And he told me what they went through, just that one miscalculation of not adjusting the time properly on the watch started this whole cascade of events. And, and I can't tell you how often that happens. We do have people miss the ship. We do have a port agents and all of the ports of call that will help these people. But you, what you said was so key, and that is the attitude of those guests. That it could have ruined their trip. It could have, they could have been miserable or like them, they were laughing about it the whole way. So for instance, we have people whose luggage doesn't make it to the ship. They make it to the ship and they can get on, but either on the airline when they're flying down, their luggage is lost. So this has happens quite a bit. We, we work with the airlines to try and get the luggage to the next port of call. Most of the time that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But I have seen people who have gone the whole cruise without their luggage and they are just in the best frame of mind they don't let anything stop them from having a good time. And then we have people who are just so miserable the entire time. Uh, but it's all about attitude. And I actually talk about that in the book for, uh, for employees, because employee engagement is so important from, from our aspect as well. Attitude. Nothing is more important than your attitude. And, and that proves it right there with those people that you interviewed from Japan. Mm. Yes, you know, we carry our attitude into all of our transactions in life, all of our experiences. The, I'm sure you've met people who have a chip on their shoulder, and there are other people who have survived extraordinary challenges and learned and grown from it and are cheerful. Well, we learned a long time ago, 97% um, of the people have a wonderful time on our and 3% don't. And a long time ago, our goal was to try and convert that 3% from being miserable to having a great time. Well, we learned along the way, no matter what we do, we can give them free wine and lobster every night and just give them the best stateroom. But no matter what we do, they're just miserable people and they will always be miserable people. And so we stopped trying to convert those 3% and we focused our effort on the 97% of the people who were having a wonderful time. And though those are the people that we wanted to keep coming back over and over again uh, on our cruises because uh, they were just wonderful to have on board. And no matter what happened, they would always be wonderful. But there is a segment of society, a very small segment, that we have found out they're just miserable at home and they think coming on a cruise they're not going to be miserable. Well, guess what? They're miserable when they're on the cruise as well. And so we, we, we just said, okay, there's nothing we can do about that. <laughs> um, you make me think about some of the attorneys I worked with who, <laughs> who were 
a small percentage were unpleasant people, just just a small number, but they loomed right. large. Exactly. Uh, they protect everybody. We developed um, a, a way of flagging them in our computer system. We called them the black flag attorneys. Some of them got red flags, which was a warning, but then if they got a black flag, we just prevented them from coming back. If they wanted to give us more work, we would say, no, thank you, we're too busy. And we kept them out of our lives. But, you know, it, it's, I think every business owner has that small core of customers. And you're right. I mean, it's so tempting to say, oh, what can I do to satisfy you and win you over so you return so you could be miserable again? No, wait a minute. Why are we doing that? Exactly. Uh, better to concentrate on the, the, the majority of the people who are there to have a, a good time or, or whatever business. But it just there's just some miserable people out in this world and there's nothing we can do to change them. And so why, why try? Mm. I'll bet you have some very interesting stories to tell in that second book that you're working on. Uh, it's, it's fun to go through uh, all the stories. I've been doing this a long time. I've been involved in the cruise industry for over 30 years now. So uh, I've been thinking about this book for a long time, uh, uh, making notes of all the different stories throughout mm. the years. There really is, there is quite a few. And I've actually asked some of my uh, contemporaries, my uh, other cruise director friends, uh, some, of the, some of the crazy things that happened with them and, and what they've done to, to deal with it. It's, it's, it's really incredible. Yes, uh, I think that would be fascinating. And I'll, I'm sure because it's got a story element in it that it will do well among people who are um, experienced cruise travelers, people who are thinking about doing it, people who work within the industry. I don't think as a guest I have any idea of the all of the myriad details that go into putting a ship together. I think just about the food itself. How does all that fresh food get loaded onto the ship so it still looks fresh at the end, or or is the ship restocking itself at every one of those islands? That's a question I can ask you. You, I'm sure you know the answer to that one. Um, for the most part, um, most of our food gets loaded in one port. It's we want to be consistent, so we don't want to. So, for instance, if you go into and I, I hate using and I. You know, you go into any McDonald's in the world, it's consistent. You know what you're going to get. So we want that to be, well, you go on any of our ships within our, our cruise line, it's going to be consistent. So most of the food is ordered in advance. We have a pretty good idea. And with, with great computer programming, we know pretty much how many pieces of beef somebody, uh, a cruise will go through, how many eggs, how many bottles of beer. And so we order in advance. It really depends on where the ship is. If a ship is sailing out of Florida, we get it in a week or two. But if a ship is sailing out of Asia, everything is shipped from the United States in containers. It takes about three months we have to order in advance. The only thing that we might top up in a port call might be fresh produce, depending on how long the cruise is. If it's a 12-day cruise, uh, or a 14-day cruise, we might top up. But for a seven-day cruise, um, we're pretty good. We get it all in one port of call. It stays fresh. And the way they load it, when you go down below, and I'll give you a little inside secret, we have massive walk-in refrigerators and freezers, and they 
put in the food, depending on what day of the week they know they have to take it out. So if they know lobster is going to be day number six, they'll put that in the back and then put in more of the food that they know they have to take out a lot earlier in the cruise. So it's, it's a fascinating uh, logistical, mm. I don't want to say nightmare, but it, it, it's, uh, we've learned over the years exactly what, there's very little food waste on board a ship, you'll be happy to know. Um, with all the food there, very little of it goes, uh, uh, is ground up or, or thrown away. So that's good, that's a good thing. And does the crew get the same quality of food as the customers? Well, here's the thing. When I work on a ship, I work with close to 60 different nationalities. When I'm on a ship, the Americans are the minority. So I was just on a ship where 1,500 crew members, there was maybe 40 Americans. And so part of employee engagement and part of our philosophy of happy crew makes for happy guests we want to supply the crew with the food that they're used to back home. Mm. So if they're from the Philippines or from India or from China, there'll be rice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There'll be all sorts of food choices there that uh, Americans know nothing about. So a delicacy may be chicken feet to some people, and they love them, whereas in America, we don't really go for chicken feet too often. So trying to keep all these different nationalities happy um, is part of the engagement that we do to keep the employees happy. Because uh, again, the the main thing you want on a ship, you want good food and you want your living accommodations to be clean and neat. And so we work very hard uh, with our human resources department for where they live and what they eat to be of top quality so that they're happy when they go and do their jobs in the front of the house, our guests yep. will be happy. Yep. Uh, I can't even imagine everything that goes into planning that, just talking about the food. And if you're, you have to really have every detail down because there's no way to correct a problem once you're on at sea. If you didn't plan ahead and don't have enough food or you run out of food, you got a big problem. We actually, one time, a long time ago, uh, we had a, uh, it was a Super Bowl cruise. And so we had um, a, a big groups on board that were together. We ran out of beer. How do you run out of beer on a Super Bowl cruise? So but what we did in the next port of call, we made sure our port agent there got us uh, uh, cases and cases and cases of beer. Uh, but that's something you don't want to run out of is, uh, <laughs> is some alcoholic drinks I see. When, you're, when you're on a cruise. That never happened again. It was the only time it ever happened. <laughs> and what is the title of your book, Paul? Uh, the title of my first book is called Repeat Business Inc. or Repeat Business Incorporated, The Business of Staying in Business. And it's 50 tips, very short chapters, 50 tips and strategies every business can do today to keep their customers coming back tomorrow because it's all about repeat business. That's how you make your money. All right. Excellent. So be sure to look for Paul's book. Uh, This is Pat Iyer. We've been talking with Paul Rutter and it's repeat business. He's holding it up for the camera. If you're watching this on our YouTube channel and he's got another book that is in his brain that will be focused on some of the 
unusual things that happen on cruise ships within the cruise industry. If you are thinking about taking a cruise, feel safe that it's unlikely that they'll ever run out of food. They might run out of beer, but that sounds like a problem that has been solved. Yes, it has. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think for you, if you're a business owner, the, the takeaway that I found to be most impressive in listening to Paul is to recognize that you can't please everybody all the time. You've heard that expression. We spend a lot of time focused on our unhappy customers when we should be rewarding our happy customers. That 3% who's going to be miserable because they're miserable at home, they'll also be miserable customers for you. And it may be appropriate to just release them so that they can find another person who will perhaps satisfy their needs better, or maybe they'll never be happy. And you'll be knocking yourself out constantly trying to help a person who's unhappy for other reasons, unrelated to your business. Well, it's interesting, you know, the, the expression, the customer is always right. We don't normally, we don't necessarily agree with that statement. The customer is not always right, but the customer always thinks they're right. And so we have to tread lightly uh, if they have misinformation or got wrong information that they think is right. Um, and the last thing is the customer is not always right, but the customer is always the customer. So we have to treat them more with respect. You want to make it a win-win situation again so that they will be more than happy to come back and do business with you again. That's a key point, Paul. And keeping the focus on the fact that the customer is part of a transaction that is designed to provide you with money, if it all goes well, if you're the business owner, um, it has all kinds of implications for how employees talk to customers. Uh, I've had wonderful people who've worked for me over the years. I do remember one person who came into a transaction with a Southern attorney and a Southern attorney's employees. And she was from New York, my employee. And she had a belief that anyone from the South wasn't very bright because they talk slowly. And I ended up losing that customer because of the attitude that she displayed towards the employee. We had a little chat after that and we talked about belief systems and just because you're from New York doesn't mean that you are on the top of the world and that Southern people are slow. There's, there's no basis to that, but that came to my mind, Paul. And from the way you're nodding your head, it's probably not the first time you've heard about an employee who ended up doing something that caused a customer to be turned away. Well, I should say I'm married to a girl from the South, so I know not to <laughs> take that for granted. Um, <laughs> but, but we've had to have uh, lots of training because when you have, a, let's say, a crew staff member or waiter, a brand new on a ship, training is so important. And I'll, I'll say this forever. Training, training, training is so important and it should be continuous. You just don't train an employee for one time and then that's the end of it. You have to keep training and on board our ships, we have training constantly over. First of all, on the ship, it's safety and security training because of, of where we are in the middle of the ocean, but then hospitality training as well. And, and uh, there's one thing I want to uh, let your audience know is that you, 
training is constant. It doesn't stop after one one course, or, or it just should be continuous training. And that's that's how you uh, that's how you get your employees to where you want them to be, and and how they will treat your customers. Because if you take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your customers. Excellent. Thank you, Paul, for sharing your insights with us. I appreciate that. My pleasure. And thank you to you who's listening to this podcast or watching it on our YouTube channel. I appreciate you spending the last 30 minutes with me and with Paul Rudder. And if you're in business, be sure to treat your customers well. I think that's the message for today. Absolutely. And one more question, Paul. How can our listeners find out more about you and the services that you offer? Well, thank you for asking, Pat. They can go right to my website. It's paulrutterspeaks.com. Uh, R-U-T-T-E-R. People think that's a made-up name when I'm on a ship. Rudder, obviously, working on board a ship. But no real name, born and bred, but paulrutter, R-U-T-T-E-R, speaks.com. Perfect. I will put that under the video if you're watching this on our YouTube channel. It's P-A-U-L-R-U-T-T-E-R. And the word speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.